Greetings. Greetings in Christ Jesus. So we get to the last petition now in the Lord's Prayer and examine this template, this model that Jesus gave us to pray. And I pray that it be a blessing to all of us. Last week, we, we watched the movie San Andreas. This is the movie that depicts uh, the massive earthquake hitting California, the big one. And um, so if you're just, in, if you're in the, I mean, if you're in the middle of all what would have been happening there, one moment everything is good. Everything is peaceful. Everything is calm. You know, everything just, the sun is shining. Everything is right. And then all of a sudden, everything cracks beneath you. And now what was once solid, what was once good, what was once right is, is cracked and the ground is shaking beneath your feet and, and buildings are crumbling and so stuff is falling on your head from the sky. So you're in the middle of chaos. You're in the middle of destruction now. And as you see this kind of being depicted in this movie, you have some people who from their selfish actions bring destruction on themselves. And then you have others who just are innocently running along, trying to flee, trying to be safe, and they randomly get hit by objects falling from the sky. So what once was good is now just utterly destroyed, utterly ruined, utter chaos. I think it's really a good microcosm and and a good just, it helps us understand that this is what sin has done to our world. This is what sin has done to our life. It, It was once so good. But sin ruined our relationship with God. Sin ruined our relationship with each other. And sin has brought all kinds of trouble and hardship and sorrow into our life. And sometimes it's because there is sin in my own heart and it, it brings trouble down on myself by the things that I do. And it brings hardship into my life and in my family's life. And other times it is just because I live in a sinful, crumbling, deteriorating world filled with evil. And sometimes I just get randomly hit. I get hit by the drunk driver. I get laid out by the nasty disease because we just live in a world that is destroyed by evil. And so the whole world has been ruined by evil. Creation, all of creation, even earthquakes are part of the fact that creation, all of creation has been groaning ever since that fall into sin. So evil includes all all of the bad things that are now part of our life as a result of the fall into sin. And first of all, evil threatens our soul, our, our relationship with God. And secondly, evil, evil threatens our, our body, our, our life, our property, our reputation. But this world that was once so good, so beautiful, so perfect, has been absolutely and utterly destroyed and ruined by sin. And it affects every last part of our lives. And yet, yet, what is the question that the 
the people of the world around us are so often asking? What, what, what question do we find ourselves asking so often? Is sin really so bad? Is sin so bad? I've spoken with couples living together before being married many times. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, the conversation will go along these kind of lines. Well, come on, pastor, it's 2015. Everyone's doing it. It's just, it's just a common practice, common law. It, it just makes financial sense. It just makes practical sense. Um, I don't want to commit the same mistake my parents did because they got divorced and so it didn't work for them. So I want to make sure that we're compatible. Um, it, now there's children involved, so you know, just be extra messy. So then it, it all comes out with something like this. So would this one sin really be that bad? Here's all the reasons it just makes sense. So would that one sin be so bad? I've spoken with, um, with men wanting a divorce. I've spoken with women wanting a divorce. And, and again, let's say, say her marriage is miserable. She feels unloved by her husband who's cold and, and disconnected. She wants out of her marriage. And, and honestly, I can see why. But I also know what Jesus teaches about marriage. And I know that he gives a couple exceptions for divorce, but she doesn't have one of those two. And so then the plea comes out in some way, shape, or form, maybe not with these exact words, but would this one sin just really be so bad? Wouldn't it be worse for me to keep living with this husband? Think of all the things, or is sin so bad? Are the things that Jesus calls sin really bad? Venting about your boss. Um, saying, oh my God. Um, what two consenting adults do in private. Terminating a pregnancy when you're obviously not ready to raise children talking back to your parents, um, spending money on yourself before being generous with God, not forgiving someone, not going to church. Are these sins really so bad? Is sin so bad? You know who taught us, the, you know who taught us that question, right? Satan. Satan taught us that question. The one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life taught us that question. The one who wants to kill or to murder your trust in the Word of God, the one who wants to offer you short-term pleasure so that he can murder the long-term pleasure that God wants for you. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. From the beginning, 
From the beginning, the devil has been lying to us, telling us lies to murder the good that God wants for us. And since he's been doing it from the beginning, he's really good at it. Okay, he has, been, he has tempted millions of people just like you. He knows what works with the egocentric, career-centered man. He knows what works with the insecure woman. He knows what works with the teenage boy. He knows what works with the curious child. He knows what works with a person exactly like you. And he knows just when to approach you with that question of his, is sin so bad? You know, wh- wouldn't you be happier if? Wouldn't, you be, wouldn't it work out better for you if? In order, in order to get us to think that, that sin isn't so bad, there is one lie the devil has to convince us of. It is, the, it is the same lie that convinced David to commit adultery and murder. It is the same lie that convinced Hitler to murder millions. It is the same lie that convinced your son or daughter to talk back to you or to lie to you. It is the same lie that has caused every sin in all of history. You know what the lie is? Here's the lie. God is not good. That's it. That's what it all boils down to. That lie. God is not good. Go to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve. Everything was good. Everything was perfect between God and Adam and Eve. Everything was perfect in this world that God had created. Everything was so good. But then Satan showed up and suggested, maybe God is not good. Well, why wouldn't he want you to be eating from this tree? Maybe he's trying to hold something back from you. Maybe God is withholding something good from you. Maybe God is not good. You know, maybe... Maybe God is actually insecure and jealous and he doesn't want you to be like he is. You know, yeah, things are good, but maybe, maybe things could be better. Maybe God really isn't good. That's the same lie. <laughs> That's the same exact lie that Satan has been using on us today. You know, maybe... Maybe God really doesn't know what's best for you or me because maybe, maybe God isn't good. And so to get us to wonder, is, is sin so bad? The devil has to get us to wonder, is God so good? Think of, a, think of all the things that God says are bad. Getting a divorce because you're unhappy. Not forgiving someone. Uh, Sex outside of marriage. Not being generous with God. Talking back to your parents. Uh, Using God's name in vain. Killing unborn babies. uh, Putting other things ahead of worshiping God in your life. You know, we could go on with the list of the things that God in his Bible says are not bad. And God clearly speaks about all of these things. But Satan gets you to doubt whether or not God is good. So you're hearing a list like that and you say, yeah, okay, I know God says that. I heard it in church. But is God who said it 
good. Is he good? So people living together before marriage, is that so bad? Um, a, a woman or a man a wanting a divorce, is that really so bad? Well, I can sit down with them, and I, as I often have, and, and, and take them through passages in the Bible which would say, here's what God says about that. And then I could even, on top of that, I could offer some very practical and solid advice that would maybe also show why that's bad. And that might be helpful. And that might be one good thing I could do. But probably better yet, no matter what sin you're being tempted with, would just be for someone, a, a, a loved Christian friend, to lead you to ask one question. It, it really comes down to asking one question. Is God good? Is God so good? That is the only question that matters when we are being faced with temptation to do evil. That, that is the only question that really matters in situations like this. Is God good? Because if God is good, if God is good, then what he wants for you is good. And then what he wants you to do is good. And he knows best. There's a passage in James chapter 1. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Okay, so follow the logic there. If every good and perfect gift comes from God, then if it doesn't come from God, it's not good. If everything that is good comes from God, if it doesn't come from God, it's not good. So, it, it, it is so easy for us to be misled. It, it, it's so easy for, for you and me to think, well, okay, yeah, but my situation's different. You, you, don't, you don't know what's happening here. This situation is different. Or, I think God got this one wrong. It's easy for us to be misled. It's easy. Uh, we can't always see what is good and what is evil. And that's why Jesus teaches us this prayer. That's why Jesus teaches us this petition. Deliver us from evil. Deliver, save, rescue us from the belief that you are not good. Lord, Heavenly Father, deliver us rescue us from the belief that you aren't good because believing that is where all evil comes from. Believing that is where evil starts. Um, physical evil to our lives and spiritual evil to our souls. So deliver us from that evil and from all that comes from it. Deliver us from evil. Now God, he loves answering the prayer that he taught us to pray. So, let's take a look at how God delivers us from evil. Number one, God warns us. First of all, he warns us about evil before it ever hits our doorstep. Um, there's a great story in the Bible, early, very early on pages of the Bible. I'm, are you familiar with the, the account of Cain and Abel, the first two brothers? Now, Cain, Cain got upset and jealous and angry because God accepted 
his brother Abel's sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's uh, sacrifice. So Cain got jealous and angry. So God comes and, and, and approaches Cain, and he warns him for his own good. He says, okay, all right, Cain, I, I know you're upset. I, I, know, I know things didn't turn out the way you wanted them to turn out. I know you're angry. But listen, it is not too late. It is not too late. You can still do the right thing here. And then he said these words in Genesis 4, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So Cain, there is a, there is a beast waiting outside that door ready to destroy you. It wants to kill you. It wants to murder you. Don't open up that door. Don't walk through that door. Think very carefully about what you're about to do next. But Cain ignored the warning, as you know. He ignored the warning. He opened that door right up, walked through, killed his brother. And I think you know then how evil infested itself in Cain's life. So looking back on your life, can you see how God has been trying to get your attention, how God has uh, got your attention and, had, and, and how God has been warning you from evil? There was, a, there was once a, a man who wanted, he, he, he wanted to divorce his wife and he came to church one morning and, and no kidding, he, he sat down in church and the preacher opened the sermon with these words. He said, I'm going to say something that is probably hard for a lot of you to hear because you can't think, it's, it's hard to imagine that God would hate anything, but in the Bible it says that God hates divorce. And the moment he said that, that man stood up and walked right out of church. The man who wanted to divorce his wife walked right out of church. Now years later, after a very painful and messy divorce, he came back to the church and he got a recording of that sermon he missed. And, and he listened as the preacher explained that, that just as a father, an earthly father, hates cancer because of what it does to his child. Our heavenly father hates divorce because of what it does to us, his dear children. And that man wept and he cried as he listened to the warnings in this sermon because it seemed to him that the preacher was describing exactly what had since happened in his life and family from that day forward. A lot of times after church, or sometimes after church, you know, people, people come up to me and they'll say something like, Pastor, were you, were you like spying in our house today or this week? Because what you said up there was exactly what I needed to hear. It, it just hit us over the head like a hammer. That wasn't me. That is not me. God's word speaks right into our lives when we need to hear it the most. I believe that God has a way of using his word to warn us of the evil and the danger that would threaten us. God has a way of using his word to warn us of the evil that would be so destructive in our lives. So number one, God delivers from evil by warning us from it. Number two, 
God keeps evil away from us. So sometimes God just keeps, the, he just keeps it away from us. First of all, um, he sometimes keeps it away from our bodies physically by using angels to protect us. We had this passage from Psalm 91. Um, then, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And it's not there, but then they will lift you up in your hands so that you will not strike your foot on a stone. More often than we would ever know, God keeps evil from harming us. You all have your own story of the, the car accident you didn't get in or the, the, you know, the way that God protected you with his angels. Um, you know, interestingly, just after that, after we were done watching that movie last week, um, it, the movie went off and, you know, the TV went on and the news was on and it was showing Hurricane Patricia, the largest, the most powerful ever recorded hurricane in history, bearing down on Mexico. And it was very surreal to just see something like that after watching a movie about, you know, the destruction of the world. Um, and we, we just started praying because it, it just, it looked like, the end of the world for people on that shore of Mexico. But as you probably followed, other than leaving a wide swath of, of wetness from Mexico right up to here over the last week, people were not harmed. I have no doubt people, millions of people around the world were praying. And I have no doubt there was a situation where God just delivered thousands of people from evil. So sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when he knows it is right and good, God delivers us. He uses angels and he delivers us from evil physically. But especially, God often keeps evil away from us, from our souls, by using the Holy Spirit. There's a well-known, there's a well-known pastor. His name's Charles. He's been pastor for many years. Goes on a lot of speaking tours. And so he tra he's traveling a lot and those, those tours get tiring and exhausting staying in hotels a lot and so you're staying in hotels you're getting tired you're getting exhausted you're getting lonely and on one of these trips he's traveling in Canada and he's tired and he's lonely he's exhausted and he's staying in his hotel after a long day and, he, and he's heading up the elevator to six his room on the sixth floor and just before the elevator doors closed they walked in Two young, attractive, flirtatious women. Being a gentleman, he says, which floor would you like to go to? And noticing that the sixth floor button was lit up, they smile and say, sixth floor is sounding pretty nice. Temptation to do evil. Charles writes, I was all alone. I was flattered since people don't often see me as attractive. These women were available and I was lonely. So thoughts attacked me. Would it be so bad? No one has to know. I'll never see them again. This is just a, a break from the loneliness. Just an hour of pleasure. Will it be so bad? But then God put a Bible verse that he had memorized in his head from Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And he did. He went back to his hotel room and locked the door. 
and God delivered him from evil. God, God rescued his marriage, his family, his ministry, his conscience, his life by reminding him, by using the Holy Spirit to remind him of these words of Scripture. So sometimes God also keeps evil away from our souls with his Holy Spirit. God keeps evil away from all around us. One of my favorite stories in the Bible from 2 Kings, the king of Aaron wanted to destroy the prophet Elisha, and so he surrounded the city that Elisha was in. Elisha's servant was terrified, and he said, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. And Elisha told him, do not be afraid because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So Elisha's servant looked, looked around. He didn't see anyone there. He just saw that they were all alone against this enemy army. And Elisha said, and Elisha prayed, um, open his eyes, Lord, that he might see. And so then his eyes were open and he looked around, and now he saw the heavenly forces surrounding their puny little enemy. And he knew that he had nothing to fear. He had nothing to be afraid of. Friends, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to be afraid of because we have a God who delivers us from evil. May God, may God open your eyes to see that. God, God, open his eyes so that he can see that he's living to impress others, and it's going to lead to emptiness. Open her eyes to see that, to see that, that what she is desiring is going to be harmful for her soul. Lord, open, open our eyes to see the, the pride that blinds us, the sin that hardens us, the, the lies that deceive us. Open our eyes, Lord. Deliver us from evil. So God warns us from evil. He keeps evil away from us. Number three, God makes evil work our good, work for our good. God makes evil work for our good. Um, one of my favorite passages, and maybe some of you, Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So sometimes, you know, sometimes parents try to keep sickness away from their kids, right? And, you know, make sure they don't contract that sickness or whatever. But other times, a parent will just, they let their kids get chicken pox because they know it'll be worse later on. So they, they allow it to happen in a sense by putting them, you know, with others who have it. So sometimes God allows evil to happen to us, but he makes it work for our good. A couple of big examples. God allowed Joseph to be sold into slavery, but he used it for the saving of many lives. God allowed Jesus to be put on the cross, but he used it to save the world. So God makes evil work for our good. Number four, God strengthens us. He strengthens and supports us so we can bear evil. So the same way that that parent who allowed their kids to get chicken pox, they are now going to sit by their side. They're going to comfort them a little bit in their sickness and strengthen them and support them to help them bear it and get through that. God does the same for us when he allows evil to come to us. Think about last week we talked about how um, God let the Apostle Paul have that thorn in his side. Well, God allowed him to go through that small evil but God made him strong then in his weakness. God was there with him. I think a lot of us like the passage, uh, or Psalm 23. Well-known words, right? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
your rod and staff, they comfort me. So sometimes God does allow us to go through evil. But while we're going through it, while we are walking through that valley of the shadow of death, while we are going through that rough patch, God is with us like a shepherd with his rod and staff and he's comforting us and he's strengthening us and he's supporting us and he's there by our side. And that's why we can go through evil. Because we finally live in a world that is being destroyed, that is in chaos, and we are going to get hit with stuff, and we will be affected by the evil world we live in, but never without the loving and protecting presence of our God who strengthens us and comforts us. Finally, number five. God delivers us from all evil at the end of time. I think this is the best one of all, one we have looked forward to. So here's a great passage for you from 2 Timothy The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. So this is what gives us hope as we pray, deliver us from evil because we know that God will. But if we're going to believe that evil is something that we need to be delivered from, if we're going to believe that sin is truly so bad, then we need to believe that God is good. God has to convince us that he is good. And if God can convince us of his infinite goodness, then we will never doubt sin's badness. If God can convince us of his infinite goodness, we will never doubt sin's badness. So, God sends us Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate proof that God is good. He is the ultimate proof that God is good. If you believe in Jesus, then you have to admit, you have to confess that God is good. Let me tell you why. Put yourself back in the Garden of Eden, okay? Now, except here, here's the thing. You are God. I want you to pretend that you are God and you show up in the Garden of Eden right after Adam and Eve fall into sin. What are you going to say to them? What are you going to say to them? When you see all the evil that is now going to come into our world and ruin your perfect creation, what are you going to tell them? When you see all of the, the murder and the wars and the holocaust and the, 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 the miscarriages and the divorce and the, the child abuse and the, the hurt and the harm and the pain and all that, when you see all the evil that is now going to be part of this perfect world you created because they didn't trust that you were good. What would you tell them? You know what God told them? God looked at Satan and he said, I'm going to deliver them. A child is going to be born from the woman who is going to crush your head I am going to fix everything that you broke here. Now, if God said that, how can we believe that God is not good? You and I have asked so often in our own ways and in our own words, is God so, sorry, is is sin so bad? And we have gone our own ways and we have tried our own paths and we have continually thought that our ways were better. But, But God has said again and again to us, I forgive you. Even when we question his goodness, Jesus comes down from heaven 
and dies for our badness. Do you wonder if God is good? Then look at Jesus on the cross. Look at Jesus on the cross. You see a God who came down to earth so that you could be in heaven. A God who is willing to die so that you might live. A God who was willing to endure hell so that you could spend an eternity in heaven. And, and Satan tries to get us to believe that, that, that God is not good. That lie just doesn't work when you're looking at the cross. This God isn't good. This God who is, who is dying for me, who is taking my sins away, who is giving me his perfection, who, who is giving up everything so that I could have everything, that, that God isn't good? Really? At, at the cross, that lie is obviously a lie. At the cross, God proves that he is good. so that we could never doubt that sin is bad. See, if God is good, then sin is bad. If God is good, sin is bad. The reason that Christians love God's rules is because we know the God who loved us even while we were breaking his rules. We we, we hear, we look at the cross and we, we, we see a God who, who loved us so much that he paid for our sins. We hear from him all the time, I forgive you. I keep no record of your wrongs. I love you. And so we know that God is good and therefore his rules are good. So you're talking to that woman wanting a divorce and you sympathize with her. You sympathize with her and, and you, can, you say, I can see why that way would seem better to you. But I know that's not what God says. And I know God is good. You're talking to that couple uh, living together before marriage and you can see, I, you can say, I, I know why this seems easier, why it seems the, the, the right way to go, but I know that's not what God wants. And I know that God is good. Friends, when you come face to face with any temptation to do evil, any temptation to do evil, and, and you're wondering, maybe God isn't good. Look at the cross. Look at the cross and see Jesus giving his life for you. And then say, okay, well, I don't know about that, but I know about this. I know that this God is most certainly Good. He has delivered you from evil by taking all your sins away and he will deliver you from all evil once for all at the end of time. And in the meantime, he lets us pray to him. He wants us to pray to him. He even teaches us how. He gives us a model. He gives us a template. We call it the Lord's Prayer. He was also teaching us about prayer in Luke chapter 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if earthly sinful fathers want to make their children happy, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to make us happy? There has never been an earthly parent who wanted joy for their child the way your Heavenly Father wants joy for you. There has never been an earthly parent who, who wants to hear his child's requests and answer them the way that your Heavenly Father wants to hear your requests and answer them. But how? God, we, we know that God is holy and he's just. So how can he keep showering down blessings on you and me? Sinners who deserve the opposite. Here's the answer. The answer is that Jesus got the scorpion and the snake so that you could have the food at the Father's table. Jesus got that scorpion. Jesus got that snake so that you could have the food at your Father's table. Jesus, Jesus endured the venom and the sting of death in your place. Satan struck his heel, but he crushed. Jesus crushed his head. Jesus delivered us from evil. So let's pray to our Heavenly Father who loves you, who is good, and who delivers us from evil. All because of Jesus and all in Jesus' name. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.